Go ahead and be seated, everybody. Go to unplug, brother. He's got to take off and run to east side now and prepare to, to lead over there, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Tell you a little story, true story. Every Wednesday, I drive by a, a recovery house in the city, pick up a guy, and him, he comes to the east side with me, and he cleans the building for me. He vacuums the sanctuary, vacuums the hall, cleans up, you know, just prepares the place for Sunday. He'd been doing that for a few months just because he wanted to help out. He, he was unemployed at the time, so he's like, I want to just help out where I can. So every Wednesday, I pick him up, come over for, for four hours, I bring him back to the house, I drop him back off at the recovery house. I've known this young man for two years now. I met him in a a residential recovery program. This young man uh, had fallen into the bottle and couldn't get out. And uh, he was drowning. Uh, his addiction threatened to take away everything he loved. It did take away everything he loved. It burned his bridges with his family. His mother, his brother didn't talk to him anymore. It just devastated his life. For two years, he's been in treatment programs, getting clean, doing the right thing, learning to live with accountability, coming to terms with the, with the scars and wounds that led him to drink in the first place. He's been clean for two years now. And uh, just this uh, last few weeks, him and his mom start talking again. Him and his brother start talking again. And all of a sudden, a beautiful, a beautiful thing happened. Those broken, burnt-down bridges started being re built. And we believe it can happen. We believe that even though sin can tear, that can tear our lives down. That the gospel of Christ can rebuild what sin took away. We believe that. And I saw in this young, this young man's life, I saw God beginning to give back the things that had fallen. And as the relationship built again, as trust built again, this young man who, again, every Wednesday comes to the east side, cleans up for me. He's my brother in arms every Wednesday. I love seeing him. His, his aging mother asked him, would you come back to your hometown? She's like, I need someone to help me. We're in the house. I'm getting older. I can't do as much. So he just moved back to his hometown of Indianapolis this last week. And, uh, Corey, if you're watching, we miss you. We love you. I tell you that story for this reason. I'm sad to see my brother go. He was my Wednesday, my Wednesday bro, you know what I'm saying? Every Wednesday we'd pick him up, we'd get a Tim Hortons coffee, go vacuum and clean up, and it was great. It was great. But God has brought him to a new phase of his life. I was, he was supposed to leave tomorrow. He was going to be here today. We were to pray him out and let him go with our blessing. But he ended up going early because his mom's like, get down here, and he went down there. It was great. Here at Flintstone Church, one thing we do very often is we say gospel goodbyes. We, the gospel goodbye is simply when someone we know and love leaves the city of Flint and goes somewhere else, and we say goodbye as they leave this region. And we've done it a lot as a church. In the last year, in one year, the Cones, the Ikers, the Delagranges, the Lovitz, 
our sweet sister Beth got married. Sid, who worked with our kids, moved down to Ohio. So many people that we love moved away. The Eichers and the Cones, their kids lived like near my kids. They would ride our bikes to play with all the time, and their friends moved away. Those were things that my kids, they felt those changes. And whenever someone leaves, we never ever get angry. We give them a gospel goodbye. So what is a gospel goodbye? Why do we do this? Where does this come from? Why does this happen? That's the theme of today's message, the reality of gospel goodbyes. Because in this life, we say goodbye to a lot of people we love. Not because they die, because they leave the sphere of our life, don't they? They move away. They get different jobs. They go to school. So we go to Acts 13, and we're going to discuss this thing that we as a church have felt so vividly, the reality of gospel goodbyes. We begin in the Church of Antioch. Church of Antioch is the first Gentile church in the entire world, because all the first churches were Jewish churches. All the first congregations were made up of Jewish people who came to believe that Christ was their Jewish Messiah, that Christ was the seed of Abraham, that Christ fulfilled the law of Moses, that Christ was the promised king of David. Christ fulfilled every promise they ever received through the, through the old covenant. Christ was a fulfillment. And so the Jews, a lot of Jews to this day, you meet a Jew who loves Jesus, they call themselves completed Jews or fulfilled Jews. But most of the early church was all Jewish people. Same language, same customs, same color. It was one culture church. But then some non-Jews are hearing about Christ and getting saved. This is crazy. There's there like one over here and one over there, but this is the first straight up non-Jew church, a Gentile church, a pagan church. And these are all different colors, different languages. They all come together and they sit together and they have church together. The church of Antioch, was, it went from little to big very quickly. And when the church grew so much, the disciples, the apostles, sent Barnabas to go there and Barnabas went and said, oh man, this is awesome. And he stayed there to be their pastor. Then Barnabas says, man, the church is growing too big. I can't do it alone. So he goes and he finds Saul, who we know as Paul, the apostle, and brings Saul to Antioch. So then you have Barnabas and you have Saul. Then when we arrive, let's do this. So in verse 13, verse 1, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. There's Barnabas. There's Simeon, who's called Niger. There's Lucius of Cyrene. There's Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. They have five pastors there, five leaders in the church. This is a church, it's an exciting place to be. It's an exciting place to be. Church is growing, everyone gets to know one another, everyone's loving one another. The church's ministries are awesome. They're loving the poor, they're loving the widow, the orphan. They have five incredible pastors who all know how to teach and preach. It's a good time to be at Antioch. It's, it's, you could call it like the golden days. It's a good time to be at this church. And we all have moments like that, don't we? Where things seem perfect. 
Maybe the kids are a certain age and it feels like the perfect age. And everyone has every parent's different, different version of what the perfect age is. I like now, like 10, 9, good age for kids, yo. But I mean, there's been a lot of good ages. I like 3 and 4 were not, oh, no, no. 9 and 10 are good. 9 and 10, good ages. I'm sorry, doc, if you're like, no, nah, man, no. Nah. Uh, 9 and 10, they, like, they can do, like, they do chores now. They can't push the lawnmower yet, but they get, get, get clo- getting close, yo. Know. Teaching the daughter how to so can put the dishes in the dishwasher. We're getting close. I was promised no chores. Someday I'm going to get there. Uh, <laughs> I got kids. That means I should do no chores anymore. Um, but... There, there, we have moments that are like, what's the perfect moment? Maybe, maybe it's college when you had like your best friends, you had your roommate, maybe your next door neighbor, and it was like a, the perfect friend group. Maybe it was at a workplace, we had the perfect workplace, and the coworkers you had, it was like the golden age of that job. We all have moments where, man, I wish I could freeze time and let this be, this, this moment feels like the, it just feels good. The right people, the right place, those moments don't last, do they? First thing I want to say is this. In, in Church of Antioch, you have this great leadership team, great ministry. And here's what I want to say about this. The gospel gives us a people. The gospel gives us a people. This is very important. And I didn't say the word church. You noticed that. When you love Jesus, Jesus is so good he makes sure that his people have a people. We're not meant to do faith by ourselves. A lot of believers in Christ, like, listen, how do you say it? When God made Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's what he said. God, in t- the God we serve exists in a holy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God, who is one, who is three, has been in perfect community for eternity. And he made us, his creatures, needing community as well. I don't care. You'd be the biggest introvert in the world, and you still need people. You still need love. You still need connection. We were made desiring this. That's why there was a famous uh, behaviorist named B.F. Skinner who thought, I'm going to take a baby and give the baby only its physical needs. I'll give it food, I'll give it shelter and warmth, but no love, because all human needs is fuel, it'll be fine. When he did that experiment, guess what? The babies did not do well, because humans need more than food and air, don't we? If a baby is denied physical love, it'll develop a thing called FTT, failure to thrive. The the, the doctor will give the the baby an IV, they'll give the baby everything the baby needs, and the baby still will not gain weight. Because we need more than food. We need to be loved and known. And so God gives us, says, God says, I call you as my people. We become, when when we meet Jesus, we become part of God's family. But it's not just me and God. Listen, in America, I read this survey and it, it ranked cultures around the world, different things. And there's two different kinds of cultures. There are individualist cultures, and there are, like, they call them community cultures, um, where they share everything. So there's individual cultures and community cultures. What do you think in the world 
What nation in the world is the most individual nation on the planet? What do you think? It's America. By far. We were 92 on the, on the, on the ranking scale. The next one underneath us was like 81. We, as Americans, we are very individualistic. In uh, Massachusetts, what's the uh, lessons plate say over there? Live free or die? That's America. My rights, my guns, like me, like John Wayne alone by myself, yeah. We love that stuff. But that being alone, that writing our own story, it's killing us. We have people all over our country who have no people. People who die and no one knows it for weeks because they have no one they talk to on a weekly basis to, to see if they're okay. We have people who are living their lives out in the world and they're just by themselves. It got so bad in the UK over in Britain. They have a minister, they have a minister of defense, they have a minister of education, and because they have so many senior citizens dying alone, they actually created a new position called the Minister of Loneliness. Because there's so many people that have just no people. We have smaller family sizes, right? And in America, a lot of us have pushed our families away. A lot of us have never haven't talked to our parents in years, or our brothers or our sisters. A lot of, in America, families kind of seen as a we don't need them anymore. So we've like kind of unhitched from our own families. So we are really adrift by ourselves. And God says, you're not supposed to be this way. God gives us a people. The gospel gives us a people to belong to. The early church, one of its strongest, most beautiful things it did is the early church. They found people who had no people and cared for them. Early church cared for widows and for orphans. The early church, their stories of plagues ravaging nations. And it was the Christians who would go into these ravaged villages and care for sick of the dying until the disease killed them themselves. And the, the empire saw these Christians so selfish and sacrificial, and they came... They, they said, man, we don't know what these guys are, but the Christ they serve, he must be something else. Because they're willing to love people even if it costs them their own lives. And, the, and Christ said, when he talks about what, a, what his followers do, he said, we visit those who are in the jails, and we visit the sick, and we feed the hungry, and we clothe the naked. We care for the people who have no people. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. When I drive down the city and I see someone on the side of the road, if I see an old man in a blanket freezing, I don't think to myself, oh, stinking drunk. I, I don't just look away. I see that man, it should hurt me deep in my soul because he's made in God's image and he shouldn't be out there. That should hurt us deep down. We shouldn't be apathetic and not care. We should care for those who have no people. And the gospel gives us a people. Give us a place we can be known and loved. Listen, the church is not perfect. This expression of, the, of God's people, I know churches can hurt people. On Twitter last night, I got a stinking, I got a notification that a, a pastor guy I know got fired from his church wrongly, and he's hurting. The church can hurt people. I know that. 
But we need a community, and the gospel gives us one. A place where even if you have no people, in the gospel, you have a people now. In Antioch, they had a people, and it was good. It was, it was, it was great. They had five great pastors. It was, it was the golden time of the church of Antioch. And they decided to have a worship meeting. They decided to have a church service like this, and they're praying, they're reading the Bible. Listen to what God does. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to the people, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they're praying. Thank you so much, Lord, for this awesome work. What do you want us to do? And the Lord says, Break up the band. Send two of your pastors out of the church. That's not, if I was praying, I'd be like, man, we heard him wrong, let's pray some more. Like, it's like, I didn't really hear him say that. God said, take Barnabas, take Barnabas, our first pastor, and Saul, our, like, so number one, number two, they're two, like, number, the two top dogs. God's like, I have something else for them to do, we got to send them away. That's a sad day, because things change, and we don't want them to change. But here's the thing, the gospel gives us a people, but the gospel also means we must say goodbye to people. The gospel means saying goodbye. Following Jesus on this great adventure means things are going to change. I don't like it either. <laughs> My poor wife. We had this year of life. So, my wife, we were all this way. I think we're all this way. We're all particular about things, you know? We're Americans. We like, we'll go to a restaurant, I'll order my thing, you know, minus tomatoes, plus stinking onion. We all have, like, special orders we do and stuff, you know? Well, if, if, you, if you hang out, if you roll with me anywhere, if anywhere I go, any restaurant I like, I have the one thing I like there. Or that one thing every time I go. I don't know if you guys like this, but I, I, I find the one thing I like, and I'm done. Or that one thing every single time. And, and, and if I go there and have my one thing, I leave, yo. Like, I, I, I am faithful and loyal to my thing. Well, Angie found some things she liked in the world. There was a burger at Buffalo Wild Wings. There was a panini sandwich at Panera. What else was there, babe? There was a dish at the French Laundry called Cocova. It's It's French. Cocova. And we go there on her birthday once a year and she'd have Cocova. And she loved it, right? We go to the laundry on her birthday and they, they didn't have the dish anymore. We don't go there no more. A few months later, we go to Panera. They, 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 read, they, they took away the panini sandwich, it's gone. The Protega chicken, they, they wrecked it. No more paninis in Panera. I guess it's too hard to go like this. That's way too hard to do. So now they give you a piece of bread. No more panini. If you're at Panera, you done messed up. Um, and then went to the Wild Wings, they changed their sandwich, they changed their hamburger. And I remember we ordered the burger, it comes to the plate, and she looks, she goes, this ain't my sandwich. And I remember I felt bad for her, because I'm like, man, the things, the, the, the meals she loves, they're all gone, taken away. It was a sad day. That's a silly illustration. But the things we, like, there, there, sometimes we want the world to not move. It's perfect right here, right now. 
But guess what? It's going to change. The gospel, God moving in the world means people are going to leave. I'm trying to inception my kids right now. I try to tell them all the time how Michigan's the best state in America. We ask the news and we fire in California. I'm like, look, California has fires. Don't go there. There'll be a hurricane somewhere. I'm like, that state has hurricanes. You, don't go, you can't live there. I'm trying to just, over time, show them every other state's bad. There's only one state that's good, and that's Michigan. And my goal for doing this, my, my, like, my big devious scheme, is that they won't move away too far when they get older. But they might. If my kids get called to the mission field. If my kids come to me like, Dad, uh, God's calling me to China. Taking the grandbabies we're going. That'd be, that'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? What if they say, Lord's calling me to stink in, uh, what's, Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> or worse, Ohio. No, it's getting this <laughs> I'm just saying, what if they, the, the Lord calling? You know, we got a good job offer. Or, you know, a church is hiring over here. Or we're, we feel called to this ministry. Part of me is like, don't you leave. I don't want you to be far away. It's going to be different now, but the gospel means we've got to hold people with an open hand because people, the, it changes. Life changes. Best friends move away. The kids grow up. Yet death does happen, but even before death, there are a lot of goodbyes. And we as a church, we face a lot of it because in the city of Flint, people leave this town. We live in a city we live in a dying American city. You wouldn't believe how many people we help. Like we see, see, we see someone, we see someone that's homeless get a job, and get an apartment, and begin getting financial strength. And as soon as they get strength, you know what they do? As soon as they're strong enough, they leave the city. I people hate this city. Now we don't. We love our city. We love our city. We pay our taxes here. We walk the streets. We do our shopping. We love our city. It was just restaurant week in our city, and we ate at restaurants in our city. It's what we do. We support our city. It's, it's, it's how we live. But we have a lot of gospel goodbyes. Flint City Church, we have said goodbye to a deacon. We have said goodbye to a leader every year of our life. The gospel means saying goodbye. I have served on incredible... I have met incredible Christians who I've got to serve alongside, shoulder to shoulder... And things changed, and we've moved away. And I miss those brothers and sisters in Christ. I've had good friends who I don't serve God with anymore. And so do you probably. And that happens. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they, I don't love them anymore. It doesn't mean that they're gone from my life forever. But it's different now. I don't see them every week. I see you guys every Sunday pretty much. And we like, like I walk around, make sure I get my hugs every stinking week. I love it. It makes me very happy. Things change. The gospel means we must hold people with an open hand because things change, and we can't be mad when they do. We can't be angry when someone has to move away, when someone has to make a change. I always tell people in this church every single like month I say to you, I don't own anybody here. If God calls you to do something new, I'm going to cheer you on as you go. I want every one of you to be where God wants you to be. I want to see God manifest in your life and you doing the work to which you've been called. 
If it's together, awesome. If it's somewhere else, still awesome. Listen to this last part, verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. When the, when the Spirit told the church, Barnabas and Saul, they have to leave and go, they have to go start a new church. The rest of the church came around them, laid hands on them. They prayed a blessing over them. They gave them resources and then sent them to do the work. Because here's the thing about gospel goodbyes. They are hard. I don't like them. There's people who have left this ministry and I miss them still. I miss Big Brad wearing his Ohio gear every single Sunday. I mean, how many, how many Ohio sweaters does that guy have? I don't know. But what we, the guy was gigantic and wore big O-O like every week, dude. I miss riding by the Delagrange's garden and just watching his plants grow. We say goodbye to people we love, but here's the reality. Gospel goodbyes, they allow God's work to go forward in other places. Gospel goodbyes advance the kingdom on other fronts. People that have left here have left here to go do new work. The Ikers, I miss the Ikers. John Iker was a great board game player, and he could beat me sometimes, and I enjoyed that. It's true. They, he pastors a church down in Ohio. He's pastoring a new church. Well, he pastored a church in Ohio. That's awesome. When the Cones left us to go to Arizona, they went down there to serve immigrant children coming over the borders. How could we be mad about that? Like, it's sad when friends leave. It's sad. But we're watching how God's taking people and sending them to other places to do more things. And for this, we can be thankful. Even when one of our friends gets a new job in Wisconsin, I know that this disciple is going to go to Wisconsin, and whatever church that disciple joins, whatever church the Lovets go to, is going to be blessed for having them because they love Christ and want to serve the people. We get to have a... Listen, we get a chance to grow these great trees, and these trees get put all over the earth. And even though we don't get to enjoy the fruit ourselves, there is fruit being produced all over the place. This is not a bad thing, but a good thing. I have seen people try to hold people, try to grab and say, don't you leave me. That's not what love does. Love cannot grab and say, don't you leave me. You better call me every day. When love does that, love becomes a weapon. Love is not meant to be that. Love is meant to be held open-handed. If my children come to me and say, Dad, I want to move here, I'm going to go, don't you leave mama me. I raised you. You owe me. No, no one owes nobody nothing. I remember this scene in Rocky, Rocky Part 3, and Rocky just goes, man, nobody owes nobody nothing. And I'm like, oh, man, it's true. That's good. It's true. I don't love someone to make them owe me something. I love them because love is a good thing to do, and it makes the world turn, man. Christ gave me love, so I give love away, and that's... If it comes back to me, amen. If it doesn't, amen. We don't hold people. I'll go even to death. Being a pastor, I have to watch the hardest gospel goodbye, and that is, that is death. 
And I see Christians have a hard time letting go of their loved ones who are dying. Sometimes dying can be sudden, but sometimes it takes a long, sometimes we get sick, it takes a, we are, it just, our bodies hang on for a season. I've watched God-fearing people have to tell their loved ones, maybe a mother or a spouse or a husband, I let you go. That is an act of great faith, saying to somebody, I, I want you to stay, but I know you're suffering, and I'm opening my hands to whatever God has for you. I've seen many times, I have seen people sit on their deathbed, and as soon as their loved ones said, I'll let you go, I've watched them die within hours. They're just like waiting for that permission to go. I've also seen family, the opposite, I've seen family tell, like, I, I walked in a hospital room once, and a woman said, you tell my mother she can't die, and I'm like, I can't tell her that. We have to hold people with this open hand, knowing that this gospel work we've been called to means we don't own anybody. Like, I love what we, like, even though we're in a basement, the sound isn't great, you got windows open, bringing some cool air in. It's better than being hot, it's better than being hot, but it was a hot summer down here, it was awful this summer. It was so sweaty down here, it was gross. I don't know what to do, now I don't know next summer, next summer's going to be probably worse. It's like global warming crap. Um, but even though this place is a hard place to meet, it's a good season for Flint City right now. I like it. We have leaders rising up, people loving one another. We had a men's group on Saturday at Leo's having breakfast, and it was awesome. The Lord just was really cool there. I had the ladies having their groups together. It's awesome. Our leadership team, things going awesome. We just, just, there's good things happening on the church. But I know that things don't just stay this way forever. People are going to come and people are going to go, and it's okay. That's okay. Gospel goodbyes mean the work's advancing. And whenever someone wants to leave, you know what we do? You've seen us do it many times. We bring someone to the front of this room, we lay hands and we pray for them, and we give them a blessing. And we let them know we love you, and we send you out with our blessing. And people can leave this place, they can leave our little family knowing there's, there's only good feelings. The door is wide open for the future. This is how it should be in God's family. Not get out. You want to leave then, just leave. No one likes you anyway. That's not how we're supposed to be as a people. We, we leave the door open. Hey, listen, go to what God has called you to, but man, if it doesn't work out, we're right here and we love you, and you're always welcome. Gospel goodbyes. Being in Flint means people are going to leave a lot. We minister to a lot of addicts, we do. At the men's breakfast yesterday, there was a guy I walked with for a good six months who disappeared. I don't know if he's dead or alive. At the, at, at the Leo's yesterday, he came up to me, and it was that guy. And I'm like, you're alive! He goes, I'm alive. I'm like, are you sober? He goes, I'm sober, Pastor. We talked for a while. Sometimes you walk with people, and they disappear, but they come back in your lives, and you get to see just what God has done in their lives. It's a good thing. So we as a church, Antioch, Barnabas and Saul get set apart to go do a new work. 
The church doesn't panic. The church isn't like, don't leave us, Barnabas and Saul, man, you're our pastor. Now listen, I ain't going nowhere. Some of you are thinking like, Pastor, are you leaving us? I'm not leaving nowhere, okay? Nothing, nothing. I'm here. I, just, I live here. I love Flint. God's called me here. But things will change. Things will change, and that's okay. And when people leave Flint City Church, we're going to give them our blessing and let them go with our, with our love behind their backs. That's the kind of people we have to be. And I encourage you in your own lives, be this way to other people. Hold people with an open hand. Don't just grab them. Don't you leave me. If you grab people and hold them too tight, you smother them, man. You push them away on accident. You got to hold an open hand with people. I'll end by saying this. I have some friends of mine in Chicago I see once a year. When I call one of my Chicago buddies, we haven't talked in a year solid. Some people might answer the phone and go, haven't called in a year, man, your finger's broken? If that guy says that, you know what? I don't want to call him back because he'd give me crap next time too. When I call my boys, I would call and they just go, man, Nesta, what's going on? After a year, it's just like we're still bros. Even though it's been a year and both our lives are crazy, we still are grateful for that single moment of connection because there is a love that's deep down there. That's what it means to hold people with open hands is that people's lives are crazy. We all run fast and we're grateful for the relationships that we have. We have to be okay with gospel goodbyes. Things are always going to change. And it's hard. You're allowed, to feel, you're allowed to feel sad. You're allowed to feel sad. I had one day here at Flint City Church where three leaders in the church called me on one day to tell me they were leaving the church. One guy moved. One guy got called to a biker ministry down south. And just three guys in one day. I'm rich, like, like, don't all leave me. But I remember, gospel goodbyes, they're for the kingdom. And here at Flint City Church, we are for Jesus, for Flint and for God's kingdom. So, that said, let us pray together. God in heaven, help us to not be afraid of the love we give. There are going to be many goodbyes along the journey. People who move away. People whose schedule changes. We can't see each other every week anymore. Things happen, Lord. Family, friends, our churches, this happens. Let us be gracious. Let us hold people with an open hand, not claiming or grabbing anyone. Let us rejoice when people go to new opportunities in their lives. Let us be a people who are willing to celebrate how your gospel goes forward through the lives of those we love to, the, to every corner of the planet. Help us not be afraid, O oh Lord, of the hard goodbyes. So we love you very much, Jesus. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.